Many of you probably are familiar with the name of Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr is a man from our early history, country's early history. He's the man who fought a duel with uh, Alexander Hamilton, who was the Secretary of the Treasury, and killed him in the duel. I don't know much about, uh, other than that, about Aaron Burr, but I do know that much. Mr. Burr had a daughter who got married to a man who was a soldier, and they left my ship on their honeymoon to somewhere down towards Georgia. Now, in those days, there was not a, an established lighthouse system and all the things that they put in place to warn ships and help ships as they went down the coast. What they had was signal lights or bonfires that were lit by local people to alert uh, captains, sea captains, of places that were safe for them to come in in bad weather, whether it be a large enough cove for the ship to harbor there or a harbor or bay or someplace where the captain could go. So Aaron Burr's daughter and her new husband start, set off sailing, and they got about as far as what is now as Charleston, South Carolina, and the weather became bad, and the captain decided it would be good for them to go to some safe harbor and weather the storm out and then continue on their journey the next day. And so they were looking for some place, and they found a light, and they went towards the light. And as they got closer to the light, the captain realized that this was not a good place because it was a very narrow jut of water into the land with rocks. But he couldn't do anything to stop the ship from entering a debt. There was no way to stop it. It was too late. And so it crashed. And out came from the woods and in boat, small boats men who killed everyone on board except for Aaron Burr's daughter and a few others who were lucky to escape. These men were called wreckers. And it's spelt like the wrecking truck. And what they, are, what they did is that they put up false lights to call ships through the wreck, and then they would rob and kill people. It is said that many of the uh, city's finest in Charleston, South Carolina, got their money from this method. So, you know, it's something to to, uh, think about. Well, this evening, the lesson is about wreckers. Again, not tow trucks, but about false lights. Turn your Bible, if you'd like, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians, yes, chapter 11, verses 13 to 15. Paul is defending his ministry, and he writes, For such men were false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, even Satan distinguished himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Back in the day of Paul, 
there were false lights. There were wreckers. And indeed, what Paul describes to us is devil and his servants were false lights. And examples for us to, to look at uh, that have occurred, and there's many, many, many once we could be here all day long for months on end to go through each one. The most famous one is when Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil to eat of the tree that God had forbid them to do. And the devil put one three-letter word in the sentence that God had said and said, you won't die. And because of that false light, Adam and Eve sinned. And as they say, the rest is history. You know what happened. Some other examples, and we know throughout the history of Israel, how they followed other gods, how they wanted to be like people around them, um, and suffered because of these false lights, these records. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, this is during the time of the judges, and Samuel was the last of all the judges. And he was very old, and he had pointed to his two sons be judges for him. But they turned out to be very dishonest. So the children of Israel wanted to be like all the nations around them. They saw the false lights of the people around them who had kings. And the kings went out with armies and fought for their people. And the people of Israel wanted to be like that. And God warned them and said, you're going to have to have your sons serve in their armies. You're going to have to pay this king money. Your sons are going to be uh, guiding the chariots. You're going to be paying all of the crops that you have. You're going to be paying this king. And indeed, they did. In the history of Israel, they followed king after king. And some of those kings or many of those kings were not good people and did a lot of harm to the people of Israel, leading them astray. In 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12, we have another example. And although it doesn't say Satan did it, Satan's hand is in it, and it seems very obvious. It's the story of Bathsheba and David. David's the king. He's got many wives. He sees this beautiful woman bathing at nighttime, requires her to come see him, commits an adulterous act, and then has to hide it by having two people killed. Well, one person killed. The child of that, that union was killed. False light, beautiful woman, I'm the king, I can do whatever I want. No, you can't. You still have to abide by God's way. The examples of false light are not limited to the Old Testament. We have an example of it in the New Testament in Matthew 15, 1 through 9. When the Pharisees, they were always finding something to complain about Jesus. Your disciples do this. Why don't you do this? On and on and on. In Matthew 15, Jesus got on their case because he said, you have replaced the commandments of God for the traditions of men. The false light of we're trying to be good Jews. We're trying to be good servants of God. So we're going to do all these things 
and they forgot about the whole purpose of the law and the justice and the mercy that God had because of their false light. In 2 Peter chapter 2, I think we have our best description of these wreckers, these false lights. And if you'd like to read along, I'm going to read verses and make comments on 2 Peter chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, we read, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there were also be false teachers among you, who secretly introduced the destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. There were many false prophets that had arisen during this period of time. And we know from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, that there was division among the Corinthian brethren. I am Apollos, I am a Paul, I am a Cephas. And Paul said, is Christ divided? Christ was not divided. But these false prophets were creating division. And it didn't stop then, back in the day of Paul, and back in the day of Peter. It continued on. Look at all the different denominations that have arisen. Groups who have broken away from another group because they believe they're not practicing the truth. Only to set up their own set of rules, which in essence is not even closer to the truth. You have movements like the Moonies or the Universalist Church. And if you're not familiar with the Moonies, uh, don't see a lot of them anymore. But they were the group that usually were selling the flowers at the street corners. And they looked like they're half asleep because they would not leave them alone. They just constantly talked to them day and night. You know, and they never left them alone to think on their own. Um, I'm not sure how they considered their leader to be Christ since he died recently, so I'm not sure how they're dealing with that. You have many televangelists. And you can turn on your TV just about any day and look, and you have more than one that tells you the way to live your life and you know how to succeed in whatever. You also see a lot of sects, S-E-C-T-S, and a lot of cults out there. There are thousands and thousands of them. But there can only be one way. There can only be one truth. So one is the truth, and the rest are wreckers. They're false lights. Verse 2 and 3. Many will follow their sensuality, because of the, and because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. And, agreed, and in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. It's not an unknown fact that many of your televangelists, many of your leaders and major denominations are very wealthy. Um, they have cars. They have multiple homes. They have large boats. Look at the church building that they operate out of. Lots of seats, lots of fancy equipment, 
all the latest, all of these things that make you think, wow, this is the right way. And unfortunately, a lot of people are misled by all of them saying, if they're so successful, they must be doing something right. Many people have been exposed to their fraud and to their immorality. And we know that some like Jim Baker uh, was caught in his immorality and eventually in fraud and was eventually spent some time in jail. I don't think anybody here has forgotten Jonestown. But if you have, Jonestown is the work of Jim Jones, who was a drug addict and also a predator. And he formed in Ghana a settlement. And when the government got too close to him, he committed suicide and had his followers kill 900 men, women, and children with cyanide. He was a false light that people drifted to, and they lost their life for that. Even the way the one the group that I was involved with before I became a Christian, long before I became a Christian, who preached so much positiveness about the Bible, about prayer, that group was mired in sex and money issues. These all were false lights. Verse 4 through 9, the first part of 9. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but reserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought out the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to his destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, And if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man while living among them felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawful deeds. Then God knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. In the middle of this negativeness, this warning about wreckers, the false light. He gives hope. He writes that those that uh, succumb to the desires will perish, but that those who persevere will be rescued. Verse 9b through verse 17. Reading of verse 9. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the flesh and its corrupt desires, despising authority, daring self-will, they do not tremble when they revile angelic majesties. Whereas angels who are greater in might and power do not bring in a reviling judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct, to be captured and killed, reviling when they have, where they have no knowledge, while in the destruction of their, these creatures also be destroyed, suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong, 
They count it as pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deception as they carouse with you. Having eyes full of adultery, they never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart of trained and greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray, having followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he received the rebuke for his own transgression, for a mute donkey, donkey speaking with the voice of a man, to restrain the madness of the prophet. These are springs without water, mist driven by a storm, for whom the black darkness has been reserved. Peter seems to be describing uh, ones who set uh, no rules or beliefs or behavior, uh, even if there's no limit to that, even if that behavior would lead to their death, their own death. They just do whatever they want to do. And sadly, many people in our world have followed people like this, uh, these false prophets, for whatever reason that they they led. And you have to think about it. It wasn't always religion. Think about the Hitlers, um, the others who led people to war for causes that really were evil. You think about the people who do things and they don't care what the result is. Not only do they not care about the result on other people, but they don't care about the result on themselves. Drugs, how many people, how much problems do we have in our society today? Are people following this, oh, the world's a better place if you take this drug, get high, you know, everything's much better. Alcohol. How many times do we continue to see alcohol advertised on the TV and everybody's having a good time? False light. But they don't tell you about what alcoholism does. They don't tell you about what happens if you're drunk and you drive. Many people have been killed like that. My brother was killed because he was drunk. He was an alcoholic, but he was drunk. And he killed himself because... Uh, of that alcohol Um, sexual immorality and all the diseases that go along with sexual immorality social disobedience you you have a lot of groups out there that are claiming to be uh, uh, for people the most prevalent one is black lives matter which they really don't care about black lives because they keep killing each other by any means uh, necessary. Any violence that they can create to get their message, to do what they want to do, is another one. They don't have any care about you or me or anything better. Social justice warriors, they're just going to be disruptive. They, again, do not care about somebody else. They just want to do whatever pleases them. And they've got mindless people following them. You have neo-Nazis. You have KKK. You could go on a list and list and list of people, Antifa, that follow other groups that are not going to save them and not going to make the world a better place. These are false lights. These are falsehoods. But unfortunately, people follow and they're drawn to these lights because 
one reason or another. In verses 18 through 20, probably 22, excuse me, is probably some of the more disturbing part in this description that Peter gives. In verse 18 he says, For speaking out arrogantly words of vanity, they enticed by fleshly desires, by sensuality, those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if they have escaped the defilement of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. It is most disturbing because it's showing us that these false lights cause those who may have left the world of alcohol, may have left the world of sexual immorality, may have left the world of drugs and all other behavior, and taking these souls and entice them and say, no, what, what, what we're doing is really good, and you had a good time while you were on this drug, and you really had a lot of fun when you were with us and we were drinking. Yeah, I did. And so what they do, they drag that person back in to the evil that they had been taken out of by turning their lives to Christ. They've denied the Lord. And that stays worse than getting them out the first time because they're ignoring all that they've learned about God, all that they've learned to live, and have gone back to their old way. And it's going to be harder and harder, if not impossible, to draw them back. It is very difficult. Peter paints a very bleak picture of false prophets and the, um, the evil that they do, these false lights, it looks good, but it's not really good. It sounds good, but it's a lie. It tastes good, but it's going to kill you. People need to be made aware of the wreckers in life, and they're all around us. It's not hard for us to see. They're down the road here, up here, and here. How do you deal with this? You know, it seems like a pretty pretty bleak picture when everywhere you see are false lights, false records, people that are, and people are going to follow these. Well, how do you deal with this? Well, some people say there, any way you go, it will get you an eternal life. It's good life. Uh, you know, whatever makes you happy, that's okay. All the religions are fine, but that's not true. In these verses that are so bleak, they're written by the apostle Peter. There are a couple of verses to give hope. And the verses 5, it talked about that uh, he preserved Noah, righteous Noah. God destroyed the world, but Noah remained faithful to him. 
and he preserved him because of his righteousness. Same thing in verse 7. He rescued Lot. Lot was surrounded by immorality. It was really, really, really bad. And contrary to what a lot of people believe, there was a morality and that's why they were destroyed. And he rescued them. He can do the same for us. Um, There is a way to avoid false light. There is a way to see the true light. First of all, we need to study God's Word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 is a verse that has been quoted many times and read many times and that you're familiar with. All Scripture is profitable. All Scripture is profitable. And I think you need to really understand all Scripture, not just some, not this here, not that there, what brother so-and-so says or sister so-and-so says. All Scripture is profitable. God's Word is there to give us what we need to know, the roadmap of life. This is the true light. But Paul, writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy, told him in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, to study, to show himself approved, rightly dividing that work. It's not enough to have the Bible. This is not enough. How many people have the Bible sitting on their table and never opened it up? You've got to open it up. And you've got to study it. And you've got to study it and rightly divide it, accurately understanding what God says. Then you're able to understand what is the truth and what is a false light, a wrecker, hope, Damnation. In Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25, a familiar passage um, is just that encouraging us to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. In the context of being together, a worship together, this is an opportunity for us to encourage one another. When we are together, I'm encouraged by you all being here and putting up with listening to me at this time. I'm encouraged to talk with you. I'm encouraged when we get to go to Bible study. Judy has enjoyed the Bible study. It's associating and studying God's Word and encouraging one another. In Jude chapter, Get Jude has only got one verse chapter in it. I keep going. Sorry about that. In Jude chapter 20, it says, But believe, uh, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Prayer is another way to help you see the true light. Jude 20 again talks about um, growing. You have to study. You have to pray, but you have to grow. It is important for us as Christians to grow. The more we grow, the more that we're going to stand what is the true light and what is a lie. Finally, 
we need to remember the oneness. Remember what Ephesians 4 says? One God, one spirit, one baptism, one Lord, one faith. There's not a whole bunch of them. There's only one of them. So one of them is the truth. The rest of them are not. John 8, 12, Jesus said that he was the true light and the true light of the world, and he came from the Father. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said he was the way, not a way, but the way. That means the only way. He was the truth, not a truth, a whole bunch of truth, but the only truth for our salvation and the life. In him is our life. Everything else is death. If we follow these listed items here, we're not likely to succumb to the false lights of the world, but we remain faithful and safe in the arm of Jesus. If you're subject to the invitation in any way, and we can help you, we would encourage you to come forward as we stand.